some main like really big things within the church are no sex before marriage at all period no sex before marriage women should only have one ear piercing and no more than that they you have to wear modest clothing and what they consider modest is it has to go over sorry as i'm saying all of this i'm just like i can't i can't believe this anyway i'm michelle edwards I'm the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too, because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly, through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel, a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer, words Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? What was your ending? So, my ending was leaving the LDS church that I was born and raised in. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a big ending. <laughs> mm. How old were you when you left or decided to leave the church? I was 31. I'm still 31. I just decided to leave in October of last year. So it's all very new. Mm. <laughs> and I'm still kind of like in the process of everything. Like, I'm in the process of officially resigning from the church, but it kind of takes a while. It's a long drawn out process Mm -hmm. because I went through a nonprofit organization to do it and the church kind of gives them the runaround. So it can take a really long time to officially remove your records from the church going through Mm -hmm. this company, through this nonprofit, I guess. That sounds all very official. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I mean, any other church, well, I wouldn't say any, but most, you, you are a member of a community, you're not signed up. Um, yes. Yes. It's very, um, it's very interesting when you, uh, I'm trying to like, there's so much involved in it. I'm trying to figure out like how to 
put it into like small, like a concise way. When you are born into the church. So if you are born in and you both of your parents are members, or even if one of them is a member that you often will have a baby blessing to give you a name or whatever. And like, just officially bless you. Um, cause it's, it's not a required thing. It's not like it's a required ordinance, but it's something that most people do when you are blessed as a baby, they basically create a membership record for you. So you get like a membership number and whatnot. And so that goes on the records of the church. So, um, it's organized locally. So on a local level, you are part of a ward that is like the community. That's where you go. You have a specific church building that you go to for church on Sundays. And then beyond the ward level is a stake level. And a stake is made up of multiple wards within a location. And then there's also like area authorities and then like, so there's, it's like tiers. But anyway, so when you are born into the church, if you have a baby blessing done, then you have a record number created for you. And so I've been on the records since basically I was born. Since I was a baby, I've been on the records. And they stay with you unless you resign. Unless you officially remove your records from the church, you are a member on their records. So you're counted as a member and they want to know where you're located. So they will go to extreme lengths to make sure that your records are in the correct local area to just keep track of you because they, I know this is going to sound really terrible, but they kind of make you a project. So if your records get sent to the local area where you're now living and you're considered inactive or not active, then they will often give your information to the local missionaries to try to reactivate you and get you to come back to the church. And I have three young kids. My husband and I have three young kids and they were all blessed. And so they all have membership records. And so if we don't take our records off, if we just leave them there, then whenever we move someday, they will try to hunt us down. So that way they can get our records moved to the correct local area. And then we will most likely become a project to be reactivated in the church. So it was, it kind of became important for us to just completely remove our records. So that's not happening. Yeah. So I know like there's so much involved, but hopefully that kind of takes it down and makes it a little bit more like, yeah, no, it's interesting to understand why you need to not only not attend the church, but also remove your records So is your husband, was your husband also a member of the church? Yes, we were both born and raised in the church. So it's been something like very ingrained in both of us for sure. Yes. And he's just, he's about 18 months older than I am. So we're fairly close in age. So he's 33, we'll be 34. No. Yes. He's 33. No, he's 32. We'll be 33. 
I can't remember how old my husband is now. <laughs> that just so happens. <laughs> I'm like, now I can't remember. No, he's 33, will be 34. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, at age 31 and 33 is when we both decided to be done with the church. Well, there must be an interesting story in why you decided to leave in the events that led up to that. But just going back a little bit, give us a better idea of what it's like to um, be a member of this church both in the church and in your family? What's it like? What do you do? So I definitely want to preface with like, this is my experience. Not everyone has the same experience within the church. Although I will say that many people do share very similar experiences, but I don't want this to come across as like, I'm speaking for everyone. Um, But for me personally, uh, so I was born and raised in the church and I was also mostly raised in a, in a small farming community in Idaho that has a very high LDS population as well. So not only was my family LDS, I grew up in an area full of LDS people as well. So everything was kind of like tenfold because of where I grew up. So I guess just a few like little things. You go to church every Sunday And it was three hours. You would go to three hours of church on Sunday. In the past few years, they decreased that to two hours of Sunday, of of church on Sunday. But all growing up for me, I went to three hours of church every Sunday. You also had different like activities. So when you are a youth, which is, which starts at age 12, when you turn 12, you have mutual is what, what it used to be called. I think that's what it's still called, but I can't remember. Um, but you would go to mutual once a week. There was like, it was like a one to two hour activity that you would go to once a week, usually on Tuesday or Wednesday nights. Um, so those were like some of the like things that you went to. And if you didn't go to mutual, if you didn't participate in those activities, you somewhat became a project for people to try to get you to go. If you didn't go to church again, you kind of became a project and people were trying to encourage you to come back to church because they keep record of how many people attend and who attends. So if it becomes clear that someone's not attending week after week, they will often try to get people to reach out to those people to bring them back to church. So that's part of it. Another thing that I think is really important to know is you are also expected to pay 10% tithing. So 10% of your income, basically, you are supposed to donate to the church as well. And while people say that it's, you know, um, it's not required while people will say it's not required it kind of is required because if you don't pay tithing then you cannot be worthy to go to the temple and going to the temple is like the like top thing within the church you always want to strive to be worthy to hold the temple recommend so that you can go to the temple You cannot reach the highest degree of glory in the next life unless you go to the temple. 
and are married in the temple. So the temple is like this, the pinnacle, I guess, of the church is you want to be worthy of going to the temple. And if you don't pay tithing, you can't go to the temple. If you don't go to your church meetings, you can't go to the temple. So like, there's a lot of worthiness that is involved. So that way you can be worthy to go to the temple. There is a lot of emphasis placed on that. Um, Some main, like really big things within the church are no sex before marriage at all period, no sex before marriage. Women should only have one ear piercing and no more than that. They, you have to wear modest clothing and what they consider modest is it has to go over. Sorry, as I'm saying all of this, I'm just like, I can't, I can't believe this anyway. (laughs) So when you go through the temple, you have to wear special undergarments. And so after you go through the temple, which isn't usually until you're a little bit older for boys are expected to go on an LDS mission, go serve a two-year mission for the church. They're supposed to do that at age 18 and girls aren't expected to, but they are encouraged to go on a mission at age 19. So that's typically when a lot of people go through the temple for the first time or before you get married, you go through the temple typically. So after you go through the temple, you have to wear special undergarments. And for women, it's basically like a cap sleeve top that most typically is up pretty high as well. So what they consider modest is it has to be able to cover temple garments even before you've even gone through the temple. So as a young woman growing up, I was always taught that I couldn't wear anything that wouldn't be able to cover my garments. So I couldn't wear tank tops. I couldn't wear short shorts. I couldn't wear low, like this shirt that I'm wearing right now wouldn't cover most of my garments because it's too low. And this is not a low shirt (laughs) at all. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very modest shirt and uh, my garments wouldn't cover like would be showing a little bit under the shirt. So they're like, it was very strict. I've never had a drop of coffee and that's like you, because you're not allowed to drink coffee or alcohol, do any drugs, um, no smoking. It was kind of, yeah. So like, it's very, very strict (laughs) on all of that. (laughs) The coffee thing that, 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 that really gets to me. Yeah. I'm like, I never had caffeinated tea either because you can't have any like hot drinks that have caffeine in them. So no coffee, no caffeinated tea, no nothing. And I, um, something you might like to try now. you I've started, I have started having caffeinated tea. I've noticed though that my body doesn't do well with caffeine. So I, I, that's just kind of my choice now to not have it because I tend to get dizzy really easily. And when I have caffeine, it kind of exacerbates that. So just for my body personally, I've chosen to not have a whole lot of caffeine just because it doesn't do well with me, but I love tea (laughs) when I finally started like dabbling in caffeinated teas because I always loved herbal teas. So when I started dabbling in caffeinated teas, I was like, Ooh, some of these are really good. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, like just so very strict. I think that would be a really good way to kind of look at it is like, it's pretty strict. And for most people, it's fine. Like it's not a big deal. And I never considered it strict growing up. It wasn't until later in life when I was like, this is really dumb that I realized like just how strict it was. And again, it was all exacerbated because I lived in an LDS community. So everyone knew what you were supposed to be doing. Everyone knew the rules that you were supposed to be following. So on top of all of that, the strict stuff within the church, you also had people who would then talk badly about you if you weren't strictly following all of those things. So lots of rumors, if some, if you did something wrong, like, and again, a small community. So things always run rampant in small communities. So that made everything a little bit harder as well, because you were expected to follow this line. And if you didn't, everyone knew, which was just kind of difficult sometimes. So going through high school as an LDS church member, I I take it um, there would have been a lot of other kids that you went through high school with who are also a member of this church, but some that weren't, were the other kids respectful to the beliefs of of this part of the community? Not really, (laughs) Um, because there was a very small amount of people who weren't LDS, like very few people who were not LDS. So they were the minority. Uh, yes, they were absolutely the minority. So even though I didn't go to a church school, it was almost like I went to a church school because so many people were LDS. The majority of the teachers were, the majority of the students were like, it very much was almost like going to a church school. So that was fun. And I guess the experiences you had as a teenager would have been um, pretty low key, pretty calm. Did did you go to parties and things like that? I didn't really. Um, like I went to I went to parties, but not that you would like. Not that most people think about when they think of a high school party. Like the type of parties that I went to were we played board games or we watched a movie and ate popcorn and had pizza and soda. Like the parties that I went to were very toned down, like just kind of getting together and hanging out with people kind of thing. Nothing that you would kind of think about when you think about a high school party at all. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So coming out of high school, Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like to enter society and um, you know how did you navigate the world did you stay in Idaho did you leave so <laughs> I went to a church university <laughs> I went to BYU which is uh, you know BYU Provo is where I went there's BYU Idaho and BYU Hawaii as well but they are all owned by the church. So they're private LDS universities. So I went to BYU in Provo, which was only three hours away from where I grew up. And so like, it was almost a lot of the same. 
because I went from an LDS community to an LDS school. It was different in that it was a lot bigger. It was because, you know, small farming community, then going to a large university where some of my classes had more students than my entire high school. So that was a bit of a shock, just going into a large university where I was kind of low on the totem pole, so to say, whereas in high school, I would get like assistant leads in the musicals and I was in the top two choirs in the school. So going from that to a university where everyone is talented and everyone is really good at what they do was a bit of a shock. But it also was a lot of the same because everyone was just like me. Everyone was LDS. Everyone had the same values and ideals that I had growing up. So it was a lot of the same. The Fortunately, though, I studied theater. And theater is definitely more of the liberal aspect. There's a lot more... Yeah, there's, it's just a more of a liberal aspect within theater. And so I did kind of start meeting people who didn't fit the typical mold of LDS people. That's where I started getting to know other people who weren't just like me. And even though they kind of were, <laughs> I don't know, I don't really know how to explain it, but I met a lot of people within the theater program that kind of helped open my eyes to outside of the church, even though they were still in the church. So that's where things kind of like opened my eyes, I guess. That's where I kind of had my eyes opened was in the theater program at the university. And I loved, I really did love my time in the theater program. Like I actually, I had a phenomenal experience in the theater program at BYU. So I can't say anything bad about that, but BYU on the other hand has some issues in general. <laughs> but so yeah, I went from LDS farming community to an LDS university. And I was there for a really long time just because I had to pave my own way. And so I had to take time off to work full time. So I couldn't just do school. So I was there. I started in 2007 and I graduated in 2015. I was there for a long time, but I did finally graduate and I still live in Provo. I still live only four blocks away from BYU, which is very interesting because I live in a highly LDS populated area and have decided to leave the church, which just is very interesting because in Utah Valley, where I lay in the county where I live, a lot of people are LDS. So it's just interesting not being in the church anymore because people just kind of assume that you're LDS, even if you've left the church or aren't LDS. Do you think that you would continue to stay in that community after you've finished leaving the church? So right now we feel kind of stuck here just because of like, financial reasons and my job is here in Utah Valley. So we feel kind of stuck here for now. We would love to leave. We would really, really love to leave Utah, especially Utah Valley. We really would love to leave. I just don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon. 
But the nice thing is I'm very open. I'm very vocal about my thoughts and feelings about the church and that we've left. Like I'm very open and honest about that. So all of our friends and family know about it. And that's kind of helpful. So we don't have to like put on this face of us trying to look like we're still in the church, even though we're not like that has been one really good thing. Um, I I'm very open and honest about that, which is helpful, but easy to communicate that to your, to your, um, church and to your friends and family. So I'm a very open person. Like I'm a very open and vulnerable person. So for me, it wasn't hard. And I will say our specific experience has been way better than the majority of experiences leaving the church. I wasn't afraid at all to tell my parents, like I had, I wasn't nervous at all about telling my parents and my family because two of my siblings had left the church as teenagers. And I say, I say two of my siblings. So I have five siblings. I'm the youngest of six. And so I already had two of my siblings out of the church since they were teenagers. So I wasn't scared at all to tell my family because they're already very familiar with people not being in the church. So my family was no big deal. I wasn't worried about it. My in-laws, I was a little more nervous about because they are very, uh, what we call TBM true. It's either true blue Mormon or true believing Mormon. Like my in-laws are very TBM. And so I was a little bit more nervous telling them, but also not because my mother-in-law is fantastic. And I like, I love my mother-in-law. She's a very loving person. So I wasn't too concerned about telling her. I don't much care about my father-in-law, so I didn't care about his reaction at all. (laughs) And my in-laws, like my, my husband's siblings are also great. He's the oldest of six. So he's the oldest of six and I'm the youngest of six. And so I have decent relationships with most of his siblings. So I wasn't worried about it. And our friends, again, especially because I was in the theater program. My husband did theater, but more film stuff, but it's still a lot more liberal. So a lot of the friends that we had have actually left the church as well. Uh, Like quite a few of our friends had already left the church and our really, really good friends, like our best friends that we hang out with the most um, are very non-judgmental. So even though they're still members, like they're very open and more nuanced members. So we've been able to have a great relationship with them still. So us leaving the church has actually been like great. It has been a great, phenomenal experience for us, which is not typical at all, at all. That is a very unique experience. Many people struggle a lot when they leave the church. Some people are completely disowned. Some people get thrown out of their homes. Like it leads to divorce in many couples if one spouse leaves and the other doesn't. Like there typically is a lot of pain associated with leaving the church. There's usually a lot of pain involved. For us, it's actually been amazing which I know like is not the norm. Like it is seriously, our experience is not the norm in leaving the church because for us, it has just been a beautiful, wonderful experience. 
just throwing that off and just being who we are. How, how does the church and the wider church community generally perceive the outside world or in the society at large? As evil? <laughs> no. Um, like, I, I say that in jest, but it's actually partially true. Um, there is a lot of othering that goes on in the church even by fact that we call people either members or non-members like that is what like that is how they talk about things our members are people who are part of the church non-members are people who aren't and oftentimes this isn't the case all the time and a shift is happening like there's a slow shift happening within the church but I was taught not to hang out with non-members growing up because they were bad influences, because they were in the ways of the world. And we were not supposed to be in the ways of the world. We're supposed to put off the natural man and become better. And so I was discouraged from spending time with people who were non-members. You are completely discouraged. And it's like a huge no-no to date or marry someone who's a non-member. Um, yeah, like there's a lot of you stick with members within the church. Again, that's not everyone. That's definitely been my experience. But yeah, uh, by and large, they kind of look at the world as evil. And if you're not on this straight and narrow path that they have set before you, then it's very possible that you won't be able to attain the highest heaven in the next life. I, does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah, it does. Thank you. Okay. What did draw you to, to leave? So it's, there's a lot, but <laughs> I'll try to be concise. One of the things that really kind of started pushing me out of the church was like the very first thing I guess that planted a seed was back in 2016, I got really sick. I was sick for over two months before ultimately ending up in the intensive care unit at the hospital needing a lung surgery because I had um, a life-threatening lung infection. And that experience and everything involved within it planted the seed of something's not right. Because I'd been taught my whole life that if you pray and have faith that the Lord will heal you, the Lord will bless you. And I prayed and read my scriptures and went to church and that read conference talks. I like, I did all of the things that the church tells you, you need to do to be faithful. I was doing all of those things. And I had priesthood blessings, which are like blessings from the Lord through priesthood holders on this earth. I had priesthood blessings promising me that I was going to get, that I was going to heal. And I kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And like, I went to doctors throughout this time. It's not like I just let myself get sicker. I went to doctors and they just didn't listen and weren't actually like taking the time to figure out what was wrong. But ultimately I, ended, I needed surgery. And I was like, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. And the Lord didn't heal me. He didn't make me better. It was medical professionals 
that made me better. And that planted the first seed of like, well, that was wrong. I've been taught something wrong. And so from there, like I kind of pushed that down, like really pushed that down. And the way that I prayed and my relationship with my heavenly parents changed drastically at that point, but I was still trying really hard to be a very active member in the church. And then in probably about 2018 timeframe, I started questioning a little bit more because I, I started recording from my podcast. I started recording from my podcast and listening to people's stories. And because of my network, because of how I've been raised and where I've been raised, I have a lot of people who are LDS in my life, obviously. And so I was listening to people share their stories and experiences about the church and negative experiences that they've had, quite literal scars and trauma that they have experienced because of the church and people within the church. And especially the LGBTQ plus community, because being gay is basically a sin in the church. And so And I have a lot of friends within the LGBTQ plus community, especially being in theater. Like I have a lot of friends within that community. And so listening to them and the pain that they have experienced directly because of the church started to eat away at me. I was like, this isn't okay. It's not okay for a church that claims to be of God to treat people this way. It's like, the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love your neighbor. And it didn't seem like they were matching up with the church and what the church actually was teaching. And so that started to create a really big wedge for me was just the pain caused to people that I loved. And yeah, that's where it really started for me was I ultimately was like, I don't want to be a member of an institution that causes this much pain and heartache to others, especially a religion that is claiming that, you know, God loves everyone, but then they sure as heck don't treat people like God loves everyone. And so that's what started me down my path, like really started pushing me out of the church. And I like, I didn't read any anti-Mormon literature. Like I wasn't learning negative things about the church. This was purely just me not being okay with how they treated some people. And that's ultimately kind of what made me decide to leave was the pain caused to other people. And then realizing that I've been conditioned as well within the church. And I started to not be okay with that. And that was kind of the push point was when I started to realize, no, this has affected me. Like I have hurt people because of what I've been taught. I have hurt myself because of what I've been taught. I've held myself back because of what I've been taught. So that's ultimately what made me kind of be like, okay, I'm done. And oddly, (laughs) ironically enough, It was actually after a big LDS general conference that I decided to leave officially. Uh, Two times a year, they have this big conference where the prophet and apostles and like leaders of the church will speak. And it's in total six, 
10 hours over two days that you're expected to sit and watch and listen to the leaders of the te- uh, leaders of the church speak. And it's a really big thing. Like you are supposed to listen to general conference. And so last October I was listening to general conference, like we were supposed to. And one of the talks that was given, they said, you can't straddle being in the church and being out of the church. You cannot straddle that line. You have to make a decision and not making a decision is a decision. And like that completely clicked. I'm like, I haven't made a decision because I was going back and forth. I'm like, Oh, should I be in? Should I just be not? Like I couldn't decide. I heard that. And I was like, by not making a decision, I'm making a decision and I have to make one. And so I did, I was like, I need to be done. And so I decided that day after listening to that talk that I was done and I told my husband about it and he was completely on board. And then, so we're like, okay, we're, we're going to be done with the church, but he couldn't vocalize anything at that point because he was employed by the church. And so we like, he had to pretend I didn't have to because it, yeah, but he had to basically pretend and hold up appearances until his temple recommend expired on December 31st last year. Because in order to work for the church, you have to hold a current temple recommend. So we made it through the end of the year so that he could get through until his recommend expired and his employment ended. And I started working full time at the beginning of the year. And we decided officially towards the end of January, probably that we wanted to officially resign from the church. So we submitted our resignations and they got sent to church headquarters on February 12th. And we have heard nothing about them actually removing them because it can take a really long time for them to actually do it through the nonprofit that we went through. So that's kind of where we're at. When you started having those doubts, did you initially speak to your husband about it? Yes. Yes. My husband and I have a very, very open and honest relationship. And so I, I always talked to him about it and he, uh, now we're like kind of talking more and like unpacking more. And he has, as he told me just yesterday, I think it was, cause we were talking about it. The general conference that I was just telling about was this past weekend. It was Saturday and Sunday this past weekend. So he and I were talking a lot about stuff. But in his words yesterday, he said, I basically just lived in cognitive dissonance since I went on my mission. So basically since the age of 19, he's lived in cognitive dissonance, thinking that the church wasn't quite right, but he thought that it was just him and he needed to kind of just deal with it. So when I started voicing my doubts it would, and my struggles, it was almost a relief to him. And so we talked more and really leaned on each other. And he'd heard a lot of the things that I was finding that I was learning. And so I was able to go to him. I was like, after I decided to leave, I allowed myself to learn more about the problems we'll call it with the early church and like the restoration So I've started learning more about things that the church will say is anti-Mormon, but I, most of what I have learned 
is from church sources that they no longer accept or whatever. But I, so as I started learning things, I would talk to him about it. He's like, oh yeah, I totally, I already knew that. And so we've had very open communication and we've had lots of very good conversations where we talk about things and kind of deconstruct things and go in depth on it to unpack it. And it's been really, really helpful and very beautiful. And it has drawn us even closer together as a couple. And I like, I really feel for people who struggle with their faith crisis on their own and not with a spouse, because I cannot even imagine how much more difficult it would have been for me transitioning, transitioning with all of this without his complete support behind me. Yeah. So how is your relationship with God now not funneled through the church? So my relationship with God had been really changing since 2016, like, like I mentioned, but it's also kind of changed even more since kind of deciding to be done with the church. I don't pray as often. I still pray, but not as often as I did. But the interesting thing is, as I was kind of tiptoeing out of the church and as I've kind of come out, I find myself not praying just to heavenly father, but to my heavenly mother, because the church does believe that we have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, but it's almost like heavenly, heavenly mother is off limits. Like you're not supposed to talk about her. You're not supposed to pray to her. You're not supposed to talk to her. Like there's all of these really weird things that it's like, no heavenly mother is too sacred. We don't talk about her. Like that's a lot of what they say. And I kind of was like, but I need a mom right now. Like with what I'm going through in my life, like I need a mom and I don't have a great relationship with my own mother. And so like, I, it's not like I had that to go to and within my life. So it's like, no, like I need a, I need a heavenly mother. Like I need an all knowing mother right now to go to. And so I actually started praying to a heavenly mother and I had more beautiful spiritual experiences praying to a heavenly mother than I ever did praying to a heavenly father. And like, I did have some very, I did have some good experiences praying to a heavenly father, heavenly father, but I've noticed more connection when I pray to my heavenly mother. And so when I do pray now, I pray to both of them. I always say, heavenly mother and heavenly father, or I say heavenly parents. Like I pray to both of them versus just one, just versus just heavenly father. And there's still times I pray directly just to heavenly mother and not even to heavenly father. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Well, it's nice to be able to experience faith as faith and not structure and not um, this is exactly what you need to do um, and communicating directly with mm-hmm. God rather than through um, a, another party. Um, and, and it can be very beautiful and intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's been great. And like, there's also very specific ways to pray. <laughs> and like, even sometimes you're told like to not pray about things that you want, but just 
just share your gratitude in a prayer. Like there's, they kind of say things within praying that almost puts you in a, in a box within praying sometimes and throwing that box away and just saying, I'm going to pray however I want has been very nice. It's been very nice because it really is like now the communication is actually open to what works best for me and not the way I'm supposed to do it. What have you learned about people and about the world from both being in the church and also not being in it? So this is something that I kind of, oops, that I kind of always thought but leaving the church has kind of opened my eyes up even more is overall people are good. Overall, I generally think that people are good and they are doing the best that they can with the tools that they have. And I think that even more since leaving the church, when I was in the church, when I was like really in the church I, I othered, I othered people who weren't in the church and I didn't think that they could possibly be as good as people within the church because they didn't have this truth. They didn't have this truth that we had within the church. So when I was in it, I kind, whether I, whether I consciously thought this or not, I think that people, I thought that people outside of the church were less than because they didn't have what we had as far as the truth. When I started tiptoeing out of the church and now being completely out of the church, I realized that there are many people outside of the church who are not religious in any way that are much better people than many people who are in the church and claim to be children of God. Well, no, not claim. Like everyone is in my, in my, in my personal belief system, every person is a child of God, but I'm saying this in like a people who claim to be of God. I know many people now outside of the church again, with no religion who are much better people who have much better hearts than people who claim to be of God. And I think coming across everyday scenarios, coming across so-called evil and bad things like that does also give you an opportunity to represent immense goodness, discover your own faith and your own way to overcome these bad situations. Yeah. Um, something that I really, really have come to realize as I've been been leaving and left the church is sometimes bad things just happen. Sometimes they just happen. Many times bad things happen as a direct result of a bad choice that someone made. Like look at drunk driving. It's a bad choice that someone made to drink and drive and they could very negatively impact someone else's life. That happens. Abuse happens. Like bad things happen a lot of times in direct result of someone's choices. 
I was taught and it is still taught that everything happens for a reason and everything is God's plan. And coming with that, coming out of the church and experiences that I have had, I have realized that I do not agree with that. And I think it's completely wrong because I don't think that God has everything perfectly mapped out for us. I think he kind of places us here and says, okay, here you go. Do your best. And I don't think he's got, I don't think he has his hand in every single aspect of our lives. I think he just kind of lets things happen and sees what we do with them. And like my husband and I were having this conversation last night. If you think that God has his hand in everything and that everything was meant to happen the way it was, that means that in the pre-existence, which the church believes in, that means that in the pre-existence, you agreed to be molested. You agreed to be molested before you came to this life. If that is the truth, then someone else in the pre-existence had to have the conversation of, I am going to have you molest someone in the next life. And if you really, if you think about it that way, it's like, well, no, I don't believe in a God that would do that. I don't, I don't believe in that at all. Like, of course, that's not what's happening, but that's ultimately what the church kind of teaches. So I have very much shifted. And now I'm like, things just happen sometimes. Many things happen as a direct result from someone else's decision that you have no control over. The only control that you have is how you handle it is how you deal with it is how you move forward how do you get help to go forward like I very firmly believe that that's what we have control over is ourselves and how we handle the situations that we are put in whether they be really awful or really good it's up to us to move forward with them and now like as far as I think with God and Heavenly Mother is I think that they're pretty hands off, but they are there to give us love and comfort sometimes. Cause sometimes I think that you're also kind of left alone because I've experienced that. I've experienced just being left alone, even when I've been doing everything that I can to draw close to them. I think sometimes we're just kind of left alone. And sometimes we'll be able to reach out and feel their love and comfort. And other times, maybe not, which is why there's a lot just placed on you have you and you have the people that you surround yourself with. And that's what's important is being kind and loving people, because when you really put that out, you often get it back. That's kind of where I'm at now. If we were not meant to experience any trials or hardship or pain or evil, we wouldn't have been brought to a place like Earth. Surely. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Well, I um I imagine it would be a really interesting journey as you continue to evolve into life outside of the church for you and 
your children and your family um and it will be a beautiful path of discovery of both yourself and the world mm-hmm. um and i uh, i'm sure it will be difficult and beautiful and everything in between but i wish you every blessing and i wish you the, the um i wish you the very best thank you i really appreciate it it has been a beautiful crazy journey so far and i don't see it changing anytime soon yeah yeah, yeah. now how are you using your experience to um to contribute to the world I know you've started this podcast are you using that as a platform to um uh make your impact yeah so um that has yeah that kind of all came about when I was struggling with the church like when I started kind of questioning and struggling a little bit so that is definitely something I also use it as a platform to lift up voices from people within the church, like people who have felt felt pain with because of the church or people who just are struggling with the church. Like even if they're wanting to stay in, but they're struggling, like I use it for that as well. Uh, but I also just use it really just to try to lift people's voices and stories because I think that's how that's how we get better as people is by listening to other people's experiences, you know, the whole, like, don't judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes kind of thing. Like in order to really get to know someone, you have to learn about them. You have to hear their experiences. And that's how we create connection is by being vulnerable and hearing other people's stories. So that's definitely part of it is that my podcast, um, yeah, that's like a really large part, but also I, I, I've heard this multiple times from other people. And my sister says it a lot. The, the, the sister who's closest to me in age, um, is not a member of, of the church. Like she left as a teenager and she's, she says often, I have a big, damn beautiful voice and I'm going to use it. And that's kind of how I feel about the, about church stuff right now is I have a big, beautiful voice and I'm going to use it to stand up for people who are struggling within the church. And I'm going to be that person who kind of helps bridge the gap to be like, you know, I get it. I've been there. Uh, also stand up for people because some people really struggle, but they don't have the confidence or the comfort that I do in speaking out. And so I will also use my voice to kind of speak out against things within the church. I even did it on my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law posted something on Facebook that was, that I know is extremely hurtful to people within the church sometimes because some of the things that she said, I was like, that was extremely hurtful teaching to me when I was within the church. And I know it's extremely hurtful teaching to many people within the church. And so I, I commented, I was like, Hey, just so you know, and I explained, I was very kind. I was very, very kind. 
And I, but I brought it back to me. I was like, I was very hurt by this exact teaching and this is why. And so that's something else that I do is like, I kindly, (laughs) because I I very much believe in being loving and kind and using nonviolent communication and talking with people. But I, I definitely use my voice to speak up and let people know what things are really hurtful within the church. And yeah, like I use my social media platforms to do that. I'm very vocal and open and vulnerable and honest on my platforms. Like, um, like with leaving the church, I've been very open and honest about it. So that's one of the things that I really try to do just because of where I'm at with, you know, just recently leaving and still kind of like figuring everything out is I try to be a voice for people who struggle within the church or people who are trying to leave and struggling with that. So would resonate with people across all religions and denominations. I know, you know, they're not all as, um, they don't hold on to their members quite as tightly, but some of them do. And that, yeah. that is universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. I've actually met a few other people within like Facebook groups that I've joined with like faith transitions or faith crises and stuff like that. And yeah, it like, it's not just the LDS religion. That is a big one because they do hold on to their members so tightly, but there are absolutely other religions where people have explained what they've gone through. And even though they were part of a different religion and left it, we still have this connection because we're like, Oh, we get like, I get it. I get you. Like, I absolutely understand. And so just kind of bridging that gap and connecting with people who have similar experiences, like it's just beautiful and it's helpful for everyone involved because there's a lot of healing that goes in when you can connect with someone who just understands. Yeah. Especially for those people who've just lost their families and their communities and um, their whole belief system, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like for me, cause I didn't totally lose my entire belief system. A lot of it. Yes. <laughs> but I've held on to certain things that really resonate with me and that still bring me comfort. But some people do completely lose their entire belief system and their families and their friends. Like many people lose friends when they leave the church, they lose their families. And so being able to be part of a community for those people to be like, but I have, I've got you, but I've got you and you have me to turn to. And it's, it's beautiful to be able to be that and also be in that when leaving a religion. Yeah, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to um, link your podcast in the show notes okay. um, so people can find it and listen. Awesome. And thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, it's, um, you are vocal, but it's not always easy to speak about. So I appreciate it. And um, I hope, I hope that among my listeners, there's somebody out there who can be genuinely touched and healed. Thank you. I really appreciated this opportunity to be on. I really, really do appreciate it. You're so, so welcome. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, 
feel free to drop me an email at m at mnedwards.media. Look forward to hearing from you.